Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1272 entitled Fantastic. Our podcast title is The Pod is the Life. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And we're going to have a look at, well, Dracula. Amongst other things. Mm-hmm. And also, <laughs> speaking of blood-sucking leeches, the Academy Awards too. <laughs> yes, I've prepared us a little something. Ah, so. A little souffle of the uh, ceremonial. Who's, who's the, um, uh, the presenter this year? No one. No one? Yeah. Ah, so that, no one will be presenting no awards. Exactly. So they <laughs> did that last year. Uh. So... Um, it will be that way again. Let me just double check. I've got that right. They haven't gone and changed things on me. But um, yeah, I believe there will be no host, so there'll be no opening spiel, or maybe there will. It'll they'll just get someone in to do uh-huh. to do that. Um, yes. So very interesting choice. Interesting. Mm. We will get to that presently. We'll mm-hmm. start with Dracula, I think. Actually, before we came in, I just noticed that the uh, the trailer for Morbius. Yes, the next Sony superhero esque vehicle. Mm-hmm. Now this is. Um, I don't have much time for Venom, but no, uh, the movie. But given the high quality of Tom Holland's Spider-Man films, yes, um, which lo- they did have some part in, they did we have. Must remember. Uh, and along with all of those um, brilliant expeditions that um, Spidey did into the MCU proper. Also, they did a great job on Into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I'm quite willing to check Morbius out, mm. um, especially because it's got uh, Matt Smith in it. It does, and Tim Burton. Oh, in in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, on, uh, actually, not Tim Burton. Oh I was going to say. It was an easy mistake. <laughs> an easy mistake. Um, Bat, the Batman, from Tim Burton's Batman is what I meant oh, to say. Oh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael yeah. Keaton. And he's okay. obviously going to play the vulture. <laughs> so... Really, what you and Jared Leto is um, is Morbius. Yes. So, so really, what they've got set up here is, is they've got a Venom. Mm-hmm. They've got um, they'll have a Morbius. They'll, they'll have the Vulture, mm-hmm. uh, and so essentially they'll be able to start doing a multi-villain film. Yes. So they're gently trying to trot these out. So mm. we'll see how it all goes. Like we said, Venom not our favourite, but open minds. Mm. Twenty twenty. That's. That's what I'm going in with. <laughs> now, Morbius, the living vampire, um, Dr. Michael Morbius, PhD, MD. <laughs> now, he was created back in 1971 as, a, as an antagonist for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, it's a, it's a guy who's uh, um, contracted a vampire virus and he's trying to, um, to get rid of it. So, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, not, not a very complicated thing, no. really. Which is fine. And, and I think Jared Leto will actually make a pretty good Morbius. I want to see him – I want him to delight me again. I mm. don't hate Jared Leto by any means. I think he's had a few missteps. I think I want to see him do some good work. Yeah. Underused in um, as the Joker, I think. He was. I think, yeah. Yeah. Let's give him another shot here. Yeah. Well, you know. He's... This is his Chris Evans as Captain America, maybe. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the Joker to another pale-faced 
wide-mouthed character <laughs> with strange coloured hair. Yes. It would be interesting. I don't know if Morbius has got strange hair. I can't remember. I think it's just like black. long, okay. right? But he's, he's like pale-faced because yeah. he's got no – he's a vampire and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Makes uh, sense. So the, the, the trailer looked quite interesting. It yeah, I mean – rocked it's, along. It's one of those kind of big-budget trailers. It didn't particularly do anything – that interesting, I didn't mm. think. But I think it piqued my interest a little. I'll give it a go. Mm. Well, along those lines, mm, in the those same... fantabulous lines. In the same vein, mm. uh, <laughs> from Joker to Jugula, Jugular, uh, Dracula. Mm. Now, now, this is uh, the new Dracula. It's a BBC production, uh, free movie-length episodes. Yes, the old... English way of things. Mm. <laughs> on Netflix. Yes, available on Netflix. Mm. Usually, usually though, they don't do it like that. I suppose it would – actually, it would run as a season. Uh, and so you start thinking about things like Midsummer or uh, Midsummer Murders, mm. you know, those sorts of longer, yeah. well, longer it's like short the, it's series. It's the Sherlock structure. Well, there's good reason for that. Exactly. Exactly. Good segue, you know. Mm. So um, Dracula is the 1897 uh, gothic horror novel, um, mm. Irish author Bran Stoker, of course. Uh, it's um, really is established many, or if not all of them, but many of the uh, the tropes of um, vampire fantasy. Mm. Um, this, it's actually, I've actually found, because I'm rereading it at the moment, I actually found it's a very modern novel. Yeah, interesting. So, like, and in fact, the 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 edition I've got to double with um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, mm, which is a gothic duo, which is a much earlier book, really. Uh, in, 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 so, I find um, Dracula more readable. Interesting. It's just because okay. it's a bit later. It's like yes. almost to the to the turn of the century. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and it's it's so full of modern stuff. Uh, Mina Harker is learning stenography. Ooh. So she's going to be. That's she, cool. she wants to be a journalist. Mm. Um, there's much talk of the of the new new woman. Yeah, you know. So, okay. um, Jonathan Harker has a Kodak camera that that he used to uh, survey Carfax Abbey, which is the property that Dracula had uh, purchased in, in in England. Indeed. Um, and the novel itself is a mixed media property. It's uh, there are letters, diary entries, newspaper clippings, and even a phonograph recording. So, you know, there's this, this whole sort of modern feel to the mm. book. Uh, and, in fact, the plot itself is modern. You know, the ancient um, Count Dracula is uh, – he wants to go to the new world. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's, he's done this whole very procedural sort of thing. He's hired a solicitor in, in England yep. who comes over to – Preparing uh, his affairs and yeah. things. Yeah. And if only he could have kept his fangs off Jonathan Harker. Everything would have gone. It to might plan. have gone smoothly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So as um, Kim Newman would no doubt have uh, uh, thought in his uh, Anno Dracula series, mm. which we've talked about a lot of times. I have to say, I was solidly weaned on Dracula Dead and Loving It, the Mel Brooks. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so most of my knowledge of the typical um, points of Dracula come from that because uh-huh. I watched that when I was young. I didn't even know what Dracula was. Well, well I've been, I've been, um, I never really set out to become a. a a vampirist. Mm. Rarely a, do you set a, out. Or a vam, vampista. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I grew up with the Hammer House of Horror movies, mm. you know, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, uh, and also um, Bela Lugosi's Dracula. Uh, you know, right through that sort of 
that sad descent into, um, you know, the, the Wolfman and Dracula and mm. all in the same movie and Abbott and Costello, you know. I mean, he's of, had a lot of rebirths yeah, and a lot of reincarnations, so many. hasn't he? Well, basically, Dracula, the notion of Dracula has infected the 20th and 21st centuries literature and fiction in terms of um, uh, magazine stories and cinema and television mm. and radio and ev- theatre. All kinds of stuff. Ballet. I've seen the Dracula Ballet. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, you know, every every possible permutation and combination. Mm. And so here we have Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat setting out to do yet another interpretation yes. of Dracula for the yet BBC. Another. Yep, for the BBC and on Netflix now. Um, Mark Gattis, uh, writer, The League of Gentlemen, um, not The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Gentleman, which has another vampire in it, um, and also uh, he was the because uh, he's an actor as well. Uh, Mycroft Holmes in Sherlock. Oh yes, played several roles in Doctor Who. Um, was in the Game of Thrones TV series as well as uh, what was the character in Game of Thrones that he played? Tycho Nestorus. Mm. He's uh, he was in the Being Human TV series about the vampire and the ghost and the werewolf. The English one. Yes, there who, was a who, who lived that. together. There was a US one. There was a US one. Uh, and way back when, I can remember him as a radio presenter in Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yes. So he's he's actually got a lot to genre do with chops, genre. Yeah. yeah. And Stephen Moffat, of course, is one of the was one of the Doctor Who showrunners. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did uh, Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn. He wrote the script oh, for that. Oh yes. Uh, he did a really hot take on um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde called Jekyll as a TV series. So he has an interest in these yes. myth-type yes. yeah. stories. Okay. And, I, and I, I do wonder, of course, because Doctor Who um, was the, in the Tom Baker era did a whole season's worth of um, classic monster sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel... His interests are showing. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, the first thing... Um, to tell you is it is set in these three three um, uh, movie length episodes, mm-hmm. uh, one called uh, "The Rules of the Beast," "Blood Vessel," and "The Dark Compass." Mm-hmm. Um, I won't spoil. I'll try not to spoil too much. I mean, you know the story. Yes. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Jonathan Harker will go to Transylvania um, to, <laughs> to to do the paperwork for Dracula's. Exactly. Just get the signatures and such. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go on unrealestate.com <laughs> to find the uh, the Abbey, but ah. he's got all this interest in shipping and consignment and yes. logistics. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the novel. He's a very organised chap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He even has an, an organ that he plays every now and then in the in in the crypt. The crypt. <laughs> but, but not, but not in this, not in the uh, this one. Um, and the, the so the second you know that the first episode is is concerned with that the second is actually a really brilliant expansion of something that that only ever really occupies a short space in the novel, mm. which is the voyage of Dracula to England. Yes, aboard lengthy. The, yeah, lengthy voyage aboard the Russian ship the Demeter. Mm. Um, and that episode is called Blood Vessel. I love it, Blood Vessel. Uh, yeah, they're having a lot of fun over there at the BBC. And the, the, the third episode deals with, of course, with, of course Dracula in England. Mm. And, um, you know, so you know that that has to have something to do with the seduction and destruction of um, poor old Lucy Westeria, mm. who um, is, uh, you know, just there to die, basically. In the book, she's a flippity-gibbet. <laughs> she's basically just this... <laughs> um, 
airheaded sort of person, you know. It's have you watched all of them? I have watched all of them. Ah. Have, have you watched any of it? Yes. Okay. So I must confess. Right. I started watching it and I actively disliked it. Every bit of it? Uh, maybe I didn't give it quite enough time to marinate with me. Okay. But I, I went a decent way into episode one. Uh-huh. But, and I mean, I'm, I'm into vampires. I love vampires. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Make no mistake. I don't know, just something about it didn't grab me. Interesting. Maybe I wasn't in the right mood, which usually I would say shouldn't matter. Uh-huh. But possibly, possibly I wasn't in the right frame of mind to watch it. Uh-huh. But yeah, I turned it off. It's very gory for a start. Oh, that- didn't deter me. But, didn't yes, it is, there's some disgusting stuff. Uh, Klaus Kaspar Bang, a Danish actor and musician. Uh, I don't know he's a musician. Um, who I haven't heard of before. He mm. plays uh, the Count mm-hmm. in this. Um, he is not um, not a sexy vampire um, <laughs> by no means. Uh, he, he From is, your assessment, yeah, some may find him to be I suppose, know, I suppose. alluring. But... He's he's not yet he's yeah they're not spicing him up as some kind of young sexy vampire no no um, and I, and I think he actually does a, a a really good interpretation of Dracula mm. it is a modern interpretation he does um, and he's actually quite sinister and, and and slimy and creepy and awful actually a lot of the time <laughs> which makes sense mm. uh, Dolly Wells plays Sister Agatha. Mm. Uh, now, Dolly Wells, we've seen before in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Bridget Jones' Diary and the IT crowd. She's been around for quite a long time. She is a superb actress. I did really like her. Right gets, away, she she grabbed me. I liked she her. She gets the best lines yeah, she does. in this. And I actually think that the, it's a standout performance. Mm. Um, it's an expansion of a very, very minor role from the novel, mm. um, like Blink and You Miss It. and. I think she plays the best sister Agatha I've ever seen, yeah. even though that's a minor role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to spoil anything know, else about that role. But um, she is just amazing. She's very magnetic right away, I will say that. I quite – I definitely she had good lines, good presence, brought a bit of humour. And there is a scene uh, where, where um, Dracula confronts her and she confronts Dracula right back. <laughs> and it is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in vampire cinema or television. Really, really is a strong scene. Uh, and and the dialogue is just so well written there. Uh, we have also um, uh, uh, Morith Clark playing Mina Harker. Again, mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. She's in that Ali- uh, crocodile oh. movie, Crawl. Was she in Prime Bridges and Zombies? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. She's in Crawl as well. Uh, she's going to be in the Lord of the Rings TV series and in that um, His Dark Materials TV series. Ah, yes, of course. Where she actually plays a nun <laughs> in that one too. John Hefferman is Jonathan Harker. Mm-hmm. Lydia West in the third segment is um, Lucy. Mm-hmm. We've seen her in years and years. Oh, yes. Uh, strangely enough, we have uh, Sasha... Duan playing a doctor in this. He is, of course, the master. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of. <laughs> one I of know the about masters. that now. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, we've also got, there's a whole bunch of people here in this who are also in Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, look. Uh, and and uh, Catherine Schell um, playing a duchess in this. Now, 
She could have started as a, a Bond girl, um, appeared with Peter Sellers in two films, mm. uh, was in a Doctor Who serial, but she is known to science fiction fans as um, uh, the alien, uh, I think, Maya from Space 1999. Okay. And then she quit acting. She right. went off and ran, ran a hotel or an inn or something like that. Did her own thing. Did her own thing. Respect and that. has come back to do this this role. And okay. it's it's actually quite amazing to see her again. It's mm. um, it's funny because, of course, she was a shapeshifter in Space 1999 and it's one of Dracula's things. And yeah. So there's a bit of irony there. <laughs> um, so, look, I do have some problems with this, mm. the the resolution in the okay. third movie. Now, does I don't want to... Obviously, we don't want to go into spoiler territory. No, but and there's a it, big spoiler there. Is it open-ended? Is that going to be too much of a spoiler to say? In effect, every Dracula story is open-ended. Sure. Because ah, a good dodge. Because we know that Dracula has had contact with mm. lots of other people mm. uh, and we know that vampirism is an infectious Does thing. it seem like this is a standalone season? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think my main problem is they actually needed an, an extra segment. Sure, it's so a four, yeah. you think? They introduce a hell of a lot of stuff in the third segment that's, that's actually quite clever. Uh, and you don't have enough time to appreciate that. Yeah, you know, they, they put it into the air and they don't, they, they don't give you enough time to land it properly. Sure. Just because, and I'm trying not to spoil yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the things that happen. I've hap- looked ahead, so I know. The things that happen in that, not only is the idea a great idea, what mm. they, they do in that third episode, really, really fine idea, um, there are elements in it that deserve to be expanded at great right. length. That you wanted to see more yeah. of and didn't. Yeah. yeah. That's always a shame, I think. Yeah. Now, it's okay to leave us wanting more. Yep. But. If you don't make it work properly, mm-hmm. if it doesn't all click together, it is a problem. Well, that's it. It's it's being left wanting more versus didn't quite execute mm. the idea. On the other hand, um, the procedural throughout I think is excellent. They mm. really concentrate on it and they go to town exploring it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that. Okay. Uh, I also because you know me, I'm, I'm a procedural person. Very you know. much, yes. Mm. And and I. <laughs> But if you're doing your Dracula thing, you either throw it all out the window and be quite obvious that that's what you're doing, mm-hmm. or you have some attention on care to those yeah those procedurals. And you can tell that this is a science fiction writer's take on uh, mm. on Dracula because they're trying to work work those problems. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much on on this. Like, you know, Count von Count in Sesame Street. Mm. The yeah. reason why he counts is because that's part of vampire lore. If you throw um, a handful of uh, sand in front of a vampire, their compulsion, their compulsive nature forces them to stop and count every grain. You throw, scatter a handful of Anne Rice in them and they have to count, count every one too. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a very good tidbit. Mm, That's mm. a good bit of trivia. So, But there's so much of that involved and they pick and choose and work okay. their way Which through it. Which is fine, it. I think. And, and it almost sounds like they're trying to come up with a general theory of vampire relativity mm. to, to tie it all together. It's interesting. I think it's an interesting approach. I wasn't sure what it was going to give me that was fresh. I think maybe I didn't give it enough time to win me over with the idea mm. um, in terms of let it see where it was going as a Dracula concept. Yeah. I certainly didn't – I don't think I gave it – because I would imagine it, it takes that whole first episode to really be seeped in it what does. they're doing. It does. And I didn't quite make it to the end of that first episode. So that's on me. But I think – I mean – 
we talked a lot about there's a lot of content out at the moment. Would you recommend this to check out? Sure. Mm. I, I would actually say faults faults aside, mm. I'd actually say that this is one of the best Dracula interpretations I've ever seen on a screen. Oh, you know, uh, and I've seen a lot. Yeah. You yeah. mean the Gary Oldman Dracula didn't do it for you? Uh, it's got its moments. Um, it's got its moments. There's a lot of good stuff in that. Uh, certainly, um, I love the armour in that Dracula, Vlad's <laughs> yeah. armour. You would, yeah. I did. Uh, and the Brides of Dracula were great in yeah. that. Um, this one has a really good take on the dry, bri- Brides. Saw a little of that, yeah. yeah. And there's some, there is some, look, the horror content is, is pushed to the max at times. Mm. Some interesting executions, though, I think. Some of the effects. Executions? Well, <laughs> I, some of the effects looked a bit like stop motion-y. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Like yeah. as an Evil Dead fan, I thought that was kind of cool that it even yeah, had you know that, that effect. That even sort of stuttering. Yeah, the yeah. shaky, I don't know. It probably wasn't. I'd say it wasn't. But even to have that look, I thought was cool. There are some very grave matters gone into later mm. on in the season. Interesting. Uh, and the, as I said, that the, the, what they did with the Voyage of the Demeter, I, I just give them complete hats off to that. They've turned it into this sort of extended murder mystery. Okay. Um, oh, look. I mean, maybe I need to, to give it another go. Yeah, but if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. I know. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> That's There's fine. so much. I, I mean, you'll be proud of me. I turned it off and I put on Doctor Who. So. Oh, okay. I was like, nah, I feel like watching some Doctor Who. So did that instead. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So um, I think we will have a track here from the uh, the soundtrack album, which is by, um, I think, uh, is it David Arnold? Yeah. Whose okay. name is very familiar from all sorts of things, um, uh, including I think uh, what, the the Godzilla movie. Oh, okay, the new the newer one, the older one, uh, not the old. Oh, not okay. the really old. You know the Matthew, the one with, the Matthew um, Broderick one, Quicksilver and Thingo. No, the Matthew Broderick one. Oh, the nineties one. Yeah, okay. but uh, David Arnold and Michael Price did the uh, the music. This, and I'll give, just give you the opening titles to start with. Mm-hmm. So just, and that's only a, a few seconds, but it gives you sets the tone for the show. Hello, Nimrods. <laughs> this is Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I'm Meatwad, the key member of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And guess what? You're listening to Zero G. Or 3 Triple R FM, Australia's only real classic rock, right? You do classic rock I here, right? I thought this was easy listening. Ah, uh, whatever. Hey, don't matter. I'll talk all the time. What, but with music? 3 Triple R FM. And no one will defeat the Quad Laser. Ah, <laughs> oh, they have such fun with those things. Uh, now we just played a track from um, mm. Dracula, which is the uh, the BBC Netflix one. Very cool opening credits. Very cool. Yeah, very um, daredevilly. Very yeah, Marvel on Netflix vibe. Yeah. So <laughs> Marvel still on Netflix at the moment, but not in the future. Not in the yes. Interesting things happening on that. Mm. Uh, and I'd like to play another track, actually, straight off the back of that one, which mm. is a longer track called Helsing, <laughs> which is an anime too, come to think of it, um, one of those vampire-orientated ones. And there's a, a, a female vampire in that called Helsing. <laughs> but again, David Arnold and Michael Price are giving us their interpretation here. Triple R. Actually, I like that um, that Simon Winkler was the one doing that because, <laughs> oddly enough, um, 2001: A Space Odyssey is a very British film, mm. you know, because it's done in um, 
Pinewood Studios and – or is this Elstree? I don't know. Anyway, one of the ones in the, in the UK. <laughs> you know, Arthur C. Clarke, writer. Yeah, nice. And then the American Stanley Kubrick going over. Came this, over and, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Academy Awards. Yes, let's mm. do it. Mm. So it's Oscar time, of course. The nominations are out. Now, I did just want to say a little something up top. I want, I'm going to run through some of our nominations um, for things of zero-G interest. Yep. And I want this to be positive, not a negative thing. But I did obviously want to call out the nominations are not very diverse. And having two people of colour reading them out doesn't make them more diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the key things that has been pointed out, which is fair, is um, there aren't any female directors nominated this year and we've seen some great work. Um, Greta Gerwig with Little Women, Lulu Wang for The Farewell, and I personally really liked Hustlers, which was directed by Loreen Scafaria. Mm-hmm. Um But obviously Oscars and Oscar nominations, they're reflective of the system and industry from whence they came and that system is very deeply flawed in many ways. And so to be surprised (laughs) that the nominations aren't diverse is like being surprised that a dog can't grate cheese. Um, So I'm not saying it's acceptable or that it should be ignored. Like let's talk about it and I'm calling it out here. I just don't want it to be the focus of the rundown or what I want to talk about. So I just wanted to say that up front because I think it is important to point out. But like I said, I'm not going to begrudge anyone their nomination or say like this person should replace that person because that's not for me to say. But let's just again point the finger. Oscars could do better. So. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, spurning the spirit of the Oscars. Mm. (laughs) So let us move on from that. Now I've had my little spiel. Um, The good news stories. So overall, uh, quite a few noms for Jojo Rabbit, which was beloved by many and is by Taika Waititi, um, beloved New Zealand director who we've covered a lot of his stuff here on Zero G. Uh, Jojo got six nominations, um, which is great. Hey, hey. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So really happy um, to see that get recognised, especially because it's kind of quirky off kilter made my list of films of the year exactly so i think and i think a lot of people have gone along to that and been pleasantly surprised and delighted um sadly there were no acting nominations which has been a a talking point for the movie parasite another favorite of zero g but it was recognized with six nominations and it was the first korean film to be nominated for best picture so let's celebrate that i think that's really good i would love to see it take Best Picture, but more on that later. Um, Joker as well, a film of interest to Zero G, which we did cover, and you liked. Yeah, I despise myself for liking it. Yeah, but I mean, I think (laughs) there's a lot to talk about as well on that film. Um, So it's also a strong contender in this year's Oscars. Lots of noms. 11 nominations, quite a lot. One more than the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Tarantino. So, yes, ninth film for Tarantino got 10 nominations. Hmm. And we point out, just by way of, of pointing it out, that Joker is a superhero film. It is, exactly. Well, supervillain. Well, and this is the thing. I think it's it's sort of treading this very interesting line between those two worlds and has obviously done well enough that the Academy has uh, deigned to recognise it. I think like Birdman. Mm, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's one of those films too that people see as a different type of journey or has different narrative in it as well as mm. superhero stuff, which is true of a lot of the films we cover, but not everyone agrees. So overall, I thought I'd just run through a couple of top notes from this year and then we'll go through some of the categories and, and what got nominated. So there's not a lot of surprises overall. And so Rob, sadly, 
Avengers only nominated for visual effects. Which it should walk away with because I've seen the other nominees and they're all good, but um, they Mm. are not Avengers Endgame. Exactly. So we'll see what comes out there. Knives Out, another film that we both love from 2019, got one nod for Best Original Screenplay, um, which isn't as many as would have liked to see, but I do think it was a really great screenplay, so Mm -hmm. that's good to see. Uh, The films for Best Picture, which I will run through, I might as well say those now, so... Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Marriage Story and The Irishman. Those are our Best Picture nominations for this year. I actually think it's interesting there. It's a very, very diverse range of films there. And there's not one typical pick that I could kind of pluck out and say that the Academy will probably go for this. So it will be interesting What's Ford um, versus Ferrari? I have no idea. It's a biopic about uh, race car drivers and it has uh, Christian Bale in it. Oh. And it, yeah. So it's actually been a big favourite. It's sort of one of those came from behind in the race, you could say, and has actually started to get a bit of critical attention and all that kind of thing. Oh, it's a sports and picture. Yeah, so it's about... Um, oh, the hell two, with that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't dismiss any type of film on Zero G, but yeah, it's one of those... Um, I think it's Matt Damon as well. Yeah, Matt Damon, Christian Bale. Yeah. So, you know, it's directed by James Mangold. Okay. I actually haven't seen that. Um, So those are our nominations. So, yeah, so there's a decent diversity there. You've got, like, your intimate relationship picture. You've got your kind of mobster thing. There's Parasite in there, which is, I think, a universal class story but is a foreign film. You've got a war epic, superhero film. Your Tarantino film, Little Women, so adaptation of a novel, um, and Jojo Rabbit, which kind of is doing its own thing. So I thought that was interesting. I would love to see if Parasite can take the top prize, but there's a few barriers there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Mm. Um, Scarlett Johansson did get nominated in two categories for acting. So she got a nomination for her role in Marriage Story as a lead and for Jojo Rabbit. Mm. Um, in supporting her, actress. In supporting. Yeah. Also very happy for Florence Pugh, who you saw in Midsummer and quite liked her in that. She, mm-hmm. I thought she was really, really great in Little Women. Made me not hate Amy. Very big <laughs> props for that. Okay. Uh, so she got a nomination, which I think was actually really nice recognition. One of the things I wanted to talk about most saliently is that Netflix picked up quite a lot of nominations. And this is kind of something ah. that's quite... It's sort of a bit of a talking point and I think something of interest because we're seeing a little bit of a movement mm. to more recognition uh, for Netflix as a platform that is putting out quote-unquote art. But don't they have to um, They have to show them at a, at a cinema and yes. that's what they do. They, they, they actually own a cinema now, Netflix. Yeah, so they will – so the – Two, they've got two in contention for Best Picture, mm-hmm. The Irishman and Marriage Story, yep. two very different films. Um, and this is probably their most prolific year. So they've got three big contenders for acting awards, um, The Two Popes, The Irishman and Marriage Story. So they're kind of three sort of big – there's a lot of acting nominations under those three film umbrellas. And it'll be interesting. Netflix hasn't won any top prizes yet, so it hasn't won a Best Picture Alfonso Cuaron won for Best Director last year for Roma. Um, there's also other Netflix nominations include Klaus for Animated Film and another film called I Lost My Body for Animated Film um, and the two documentaries American Factory and The Edge of Democracy. Oh, the Obamas have a nom there because American Factory is theirs. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So oh, Now Donald Trump's going to have to do one. 
<laughs> but I wonder about what the sort of the ratios of different studios and things, but that's like seems quite a lot to me for one yeah. creator to have that many nominations. So I thought that was quite interesting. Think of them as a studio. That's fine. Well, this is it. Like how, what kind of, are, is that a lot for one studio to have in one year? So I had a little bit of a look at some of the history, but I, I just thought of that then. So mm. or maybe have a dig around. Well, um, well, we'll have a track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, called Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> Actually from a show called Beehive. Mm. So it's a cast. The cast. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of appropriate when you think about <laughs> it. This is Sir Derek Jacobi. Zero G or not zero G? That is the question. Ah, the masterful <laughs> Mr. Oh, Derek Jacobi. He so was a master, good. by the way. Sorry? He was a master. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? When I interviewed him, he wasn't. I, and I actually said to him, you must be the only British actor who's never been in Doctor Who. And he knew. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I can't remember if he knew or not. Anyway, that was uh, the cast of Beehive doing uh, Academy Award. Because mm. mm. we are talking about the Academy Award. The nominations came out um, last week, so about a week ago. So just running through those, I gave a little bit of an overview, but we might just dig into some of the categories and see what the nominations are. So I've done Best Picture already, so there's quite a few there. So uh, Actor in a Leading Role. So Leonardo DiCaprio did get nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And I've included here Jonathan Price for The Two Popes because that's kind of historical, right? (laughs) Well, you know, Joaquin's... Performance in Joker is is fine, mm. you know. Mm. It's it's um, it's what he does best. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's hardly out of a comfort zone for him. I don't think discordant note imperfect. I would call it. Okay. Mm. I mean, and he does like to go towards those types of characters. So if he's done a good job here, there's no reason why he couldn't be recognised. No. Um, I'd like to see Leo take it, but I doubt he will. Uh, also included there, non-genre, uh, Adam Driver for Marriage Story and Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Okay. Um, actress in a leading role. So we have Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, um, which is a biopic about Harriet Tubman. Charlize Theron for Bombshell. I've included that because that's kind of historical. Yeah, it is. Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Very pleased by that. Great movie. That's historical, set in the Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> and Renee Zellweger for Judy, which is the Garland biopic. Oh, okay. And, of course, the fifth nomination is Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see Saoirse for that. I think I haven't seen all of those performances, though, so it's I, hard to say. I, have I seen any of those? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any of those are up your alley. I do think Little Women is a very good watch, though, so. I've, I've, I've seen. One of them. Little Men, the, the sequel. <laughs> I have. Well, I've seen them both. I know I know what that's all about. <laughs> um, actor in a supporting role. So Brad Pitt got a nomination for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and also Anthony Hopkins for his role in The Two Popes. I'm going to go ahead and assume that he and Jonathan Price are The Two Popes. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the other nominations in that category are Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what will happen there, to be honest. I'd like to see Brad Pitt take it again, but we'll see. 
accepting the award is a CGI euphemed version mm. of Joe Pesci. Of either Al Pacino <laughs> or Joe Pesci. Uh, actress in a supporting role, of course, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, as I mentioned. Florence Pugh for Little Women. Margot and the others are Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell and Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Oh, Margot Robbie's star is so high at the moment. I really like her stuff. I think she's a really good actress. Yeah, she's one of the best um, parts of Suicide Squad. mm and she's got Absolutely. Birds of Prey coming out, yep. which I reckon she'll save that movie. She'll carry that movie. Um, animated feature film, so Klaus, I Lost My Body, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Toy Story 4, and Missing Link. Mm. I want to see this Missing Link film. It sounds mm. like it could be quite good. Can't find it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it's missing. <laughs> I fell right into that one. <laughs> After all these years of Zero G, I walked right into that. Uh, cinematography. So Joker is up, obviously. Yeah. 1917, The Lighthouse. Have you seen The Lighthouse? No. I'm intrigued by it. I'm not sure. It'd be interesting. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman. I would like to see that to go to 1917. Not because I particularly think it should. I think Roger Deakins <laughs> is... I don't, I don't have any particular affiliation with the movie, but I think Roger Deakins is one of the best cinematographers ever mm. and so i would love to see him get it it's not a one-shot movie by the way 1917 it's, no it's, but it, it appears like right yeah it's, That's it's edited whole... to make it look like that which i guess is still an accomplishment is it no i don't know <laughs> you got to go to russian art for example yeah, the actual one shot one shot yeah. and like why do i i don't want to watch a one-shot movie it just seems a bit you don't even watch a one-shot video game it really. just seems a bit doing it for the sake of it I'm mm. so cool. Mm. So I actually haven't seen it yet. That's okay. next week for yes, me. Yes, to be fair, we shouldn't. Don't tell me who before. wins. We should. <laughs> we should. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Um, costume design: Joker again. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. Jojo Rabbit should win it. Mm. Costumes. Yeah. Yeah. In I the mean, absence of greater competition, there, but yeah, so. I would like. I'd be very happy with that. Directing. Joker, Todd Phillips got a nom for that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for Quentin Tarantino. Sam Mendes for 1917. Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. And Scorsese for The Irishman. Mm. But, of course. Yeah. Um, I'll sort of whip through the rest of these, not because they're not important, but just in the interest of time. Uh, international feature film, Les Mis and Parasite are both up for that. Yep. Makeup and Hairstyle, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, 1917 and Joker. The ones we're interested in there. Original score, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, John Williams, nominated. 1917, Thomas Newman. Little Women, on Alexandra Desplat. He did a lot of the later Harry Potter stuff. Joker, Hilda Guandator. Butchered that. Production design, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit and 1917. Sound editing, Star Wars, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917 and Joker. I thought it was interesting. Ad Astra's up for sound mixing. And really? so is Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sound in 1917. Mixing. I mean, I don't know the difference between sound mixing and sound editing, really. But there must be something. Yeah, I guess like the rocket no, sound, sounds with music, making sure it sounds okay. Yeah, the ed- editing is more... Yeah. Like hitting a cabbage for a punch and stuff? No, no, editing is not, not the sound effects. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah, fair. Yeah. Wouldn't but, it be putting them in, though? Yeah, technically speaking. Interesting. We'll have to look that up. Mm. Anywho, uh, visual effects, Avengers Endgame, of course, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars, and The Irishman did get a nod for that. And lastly, writing adapted screenplay, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Joker, and The Two Popes, and original screenplay, 
uh, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and 1970. Yeah. Of course, Jojo Rabbit's an adaptation of a book. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. So, yeah, so as you can see, of the ones of interest, there's they've got repeat <clears throat> nominations across a couple categories. Obviously, some of the effects ones, we see a few things pop up that we don't in other categories. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of how it all falls down in the final awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, yeah, after it's all said and done, we'll report back here on Zero G. Yeah. yeah. And I've been very good. I haven't said that I think Avengers Endgame should have got at least 12 nominations. You know, <laughs> it's it's it's... It's more than the equal of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But as we said sort of in the break that this is what a very specific demographic of the Voting Academy thinks mm. is good art. Mm. Um, I think and it's always good to remember that. And I, and I think they're really peeved with superhero stuff. Well, Black Panther did get a nod. It did. So, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I looked up some stats on it and the voting public is largely Caucasian males over 60. So, but yeah. That describes comic book fans (laughs) (laughs) no it doesn't i'm I'm just joking there uh so yeah there's my wrap up my lengthy wrap up sorry got to be involved in that no 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 i'm interested because i i hadn't um because i didn't have any skin in this game Mm. or or spandex i will there's a lot of left it alone films here that i love and i think i'll try to watch all the best pictures before yeah just because just because yeah exactly (laughs) thank you for that i much appreciate it now, the track we wanted to play now, since we are talking about vampires earlier on, and that always leads me to David Bowie mm. <laughs> and Catherine Deneuve from 1983, Tony Scott, um, late much-lamented brother of Ridley Scott. Uh, this, they did this film back in 83 called The Hunger. Oh. And in The Hunger, there's a scene, there's a, a roller skater. He's got his boombox, and the song he's listening to is Fun Time. <laughs> and that's by Iggy Pop. And that's from an album called The Idiot. And the David Bowie connection, apart from the fact that David Bowie is a vampire in that film, Mm -hmm. is that the album The Idiot was co-written and produced by Bowie back in 1977 with Iggy Pop. So there you go. In fact, um, Bowie did uh, two albums that um, he wrote and recorded with David Bowie. So this was um, kind of like the beginning of Bowie's Berlin period. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the hunger itself is—my um, God, it's—it's uh, it's critical to the entire goth sub- subculture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot here going on in this one. Probably not so much going on in the actual <laughs> song, but we will play "Fun Time" from Iggy Pop's album, "The Idiot." <laughs> This is George Romero, and I wouldn't be caught dead listening to Zero G on 3 R FM. Yeah, Iggy Pop's Fun Time mm. from his album The Idiot. And we were playing that with a David Bowie connection, Indeed. the producer of that album, helped co-write it. So it's actually just, um, I've been using the Bowie uh, in-studio system today for playing stuff and I really admire it and thank you to the Triple <laughs> R techs who put that all together. Rob's been delighted by it at every sort of break. He's yeah. like, oh, oh, oh. This, this is so much fun. 
<laughs> okay, uh, now, The Doctor. Doctor mm. Who, this week's episode. Last week, I apologise, I said that the uh, yes. Tesla one was on. I was brutally disappointed. Brutally it disappointed. Was fine. <laughs> okay, Orphan 55, third episode, 12th season of The 13th Doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More Jodie Whittaker. More Jodie Whittaker. Uh, written by Ed Heim, directed by Lee Haven-Jones. Um, I wasn't quite as happy with this as I could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually suffered from the same problem. Problem is the last episode of the Dracula series, too much stuff uh, done too quickly. Yep. Um, so we just sort of scooted through this uh, vacation that the Doctor won uh, at a spa, mm. on an off-world spa. That never ends well. No. Never Free stuff ends well. like that never ends well. Yeah. Uh, and it did have a nice um, uh, climate change warm- warning. Which I, I saw say, coming, though. I was going to say warming. Um, I did see it coming, yeah. and and I was a bit puzzled by it because it it plays havoc with the timelines in Doctor Who because we do know certain things about future Earth. Yes, but it doesn't matter because they they um they do that all the time. Mm. I just yeah I think for me but it was a good speech that that um the Doctor she had. did and I do I do think I enjoyed this episode. It felt like sort of a little mini movie, and it had some of the elements that I like from shows like Firefly and Black Mirror. Some of these episodes have little shades of Black Mirror to me, which yeah. I think is interesting. Um, like the previous, the last episode that we watched, the second part of Spy for and this, I yeah. think there's some of those tones coming out and a, a definite social responsibility messages, which it's, is that a prevalent thing in Doctor Who generally? Absolutely. It's, you know, there, there has been a backlash by certain seg- segments of fandom about um, Doctor Who being a bit of a social justice warrior in mm. the 13th first season. And it is quite explicit here. Like, it's this, it's text, not subtext. Well, the Doctor has always been a social justice warrior. Yeah, it, well, that's it. It's like saying, oh, there are too much political messages in Star Trek, for God's sake. So it does always sort of it's have always. episodes around this. I, yeah. I, I yeah. thought that might be the case. Oh, they had an episode where they were having a go at the tax system Yeah, back in the old days in the Tom Baker era. You know, there's so many different things. Mm, so, mm, mm. Things about colonisation, about accepting the other. You know, just yeah. it's always been okay. that way. Um, perhaps not. No, actually, sometimes just as blatant as this. Because okay. I will say the prior episode and this taken together, mm. very clear messaging, no beating around the bush. I thought that was quite interesting. And I would say even before... The, Compared to the last season, it's much more concerned with that so far from what I can tell. The monsters in this, the dregs, I thought looked really good. Yeah, they did. Perhaps shot a little too much in um, in pure daylight, and, mm. you know, because that always takes... Yeah. yeah and there was a lot of this bit. one particular shot that I was mm. like, all right, I get it. Yeah, we get it. We, we're reusing this frame, it's fine, but yeah. we can just dial it back a little. Yeah. <laughs> I did like uh, an element in this um, vending machines were infected by this virus, mm. and that was very Black Mirror. And yes. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very whimsical. I did. I liked that. Very whimsical. Um, but... Uh, ultimately, uh, it didn't really do it for me. A bit disappointed. A bit disappointed by this episode. Don't have to like them all. No. Um, no. And I really did actually. Uh, I thought the global warming theme was quite good. It was. In, it was. I enjoyed watching it. I wouldn't hold it up as an episode that I thought was particularly amazing. Like it was pretty simple plot. The twists and turns were fairly predictable. And we maybe had a too few, too a few too many characters being knocked off yeah. one by one. Yeah. And we didn't get really much of a chance to Care. see more than yeah. they've done other episodes where they've done that where we've where mm. it's been better balanced. And you have time to do that. Like if your episode is that long, you definitely have time to build that 
that history and relationships where we care when stuff happens. Mm. And I agree. I think that wasn't uh, attended to as much as it could have been. But I am looking forward to the Tesla episode. Yes, same. Which has already dropped, of course. All right. Well, mm. we're pretty much done for Zero G today, even <laughs> really? though we could spend years talking about all the things that are on at the moment. Mm. Sabrina's out soon. Sabrina out. Yeah, 24th. That's this. Oh, oh, and of course, um, uh, um, The Good Place is dropping ah, new episodes yes. every per week. Per week, yeah. Oh, my God, I haven't watched last week's episode. Ah, mental note. But that's good. Then you'll have maybe two to watch. Yeah, indeed. Well, okay, well, we're going to go up with another Bowie um, mm. track called We Are The Dead since we've been talking about vampires Why and all that sort not? of stuff. Why not? And this is uh, from the Diamond Dogs album. There's probably a, at least a little bit of naughty language in this. Mm-hmm. So look out. But then again, it's David Bowie, so... We'll allow it. We'll allow it. All right. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. G'day. This is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.